You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking all about fours. I feel like this is a good time in culture and society to talk about fours because I think fours are probably thinking, hey guys, we know that the world has a lot of sorrow. Let us help you to bear it and to get through with it. Let's take a good look at it so that we can address it well when we're in our best. So I really think the fours right now for being bold and honest and saying the hard things. And I hope this episode really honors you. I'll be referencing the Enneagram Institute and Beatrice Chestnut a little bit. And I also want to thank everybody from the Instagram community who's been sharing so beautifully about their stories with being a four or living with a four and asking questions. So I have some of those to delve into and I hope to go over fours romantically with every type as well. So stay tuned. This is going to be a big but a great episode. It's so much fun to be back to our series on each type in marriage. So first, just to talk a tiny bit about fours, I want to let you guys know often they're called the romantic or the individualist. And if this is you, you totally know that. I actually think a lot of our listeners are super scholars when it comes to Enneagram. So I'm going to go over a couple of basics, but just hang in for a quick review if you already know all this stuff. So many of our fours are really poetic and artistic, but you don't necessarily have to exude those traits to have an appreciation for them or to be considered a four. A four has different qualities that make them actually deeply suited to appreciate that, but it doesn't mean, like I said, they have to be that. They're emotionally honest and creative and personal. They can be moody and self-conscious. They can really love escaping into their art and or into their pain and really connecting with others when they're finally vulnerable and able to do that since we're not all fours, right? So it's a great thing about fours that even if they need to spend a little more time sometimes outside of their painful circumstances, one of their main gifts, if not their main gift, in addition to bringing beauty to the world, is the gift of being able to do that. And that was what Job's friends in one of our oldest narratives we have about life and friendship and loss, Job's friends were not able to just sit with him in pain. And that was their sorrow. And that was where God said they missed the boat. And so our fours really pick up slack for the rest of us when we miss that. And we are so grateful. The four's basic fear is that they don't have identity or personal significance. Their basic desire is to find themselves and their significance to create that identity. And we have fours with three wings. And we have some subtypes of fours, which I'll go over in a few minutes. But I want to start out by saying I have had the privilege of having a lot of fours in my life and also really enjoying a lot of fours. I really do love my fours deeply. And I think you're probably like that too. My brother said it well that sometimes our fours can mesmerize us. And interestingly, he's a four. Um, (laughs) But he was talking about my daughter who's a four. And uh, he called it a Hannah trance that she can convince him to do anything. Now this is one four to another. So he's like, if she wants me to buy her something, I will. And uh, if she wants my attention, there's something captivating. But what's funny is when she dances on stage, I have had friends and other children and her teachers enjoy her dancing, but they're always looking to critique as well as to perfect. Um, But other people have really said, wow, your child has something captivating about her when she dances. And there's different things that about our children that captivate people, right? Like you might have a child where somebody says, his smile lights up the world. Or gosh, when he 
reads. He is so articulate. It's the wisdom coming from him. So we're trying to identify and talk about our children's gifts here, but there's something about the four that really opens you up to beauty and to pain. And watching my daughter dance, you can see almost a releasing of that pain to God. It's worship dance. And I think when fours are at their best, including my brother, her, uh, my sweet niece and nephew who are fours, if you see them smile, if you see them laugh, if you see them in their gifting, there's something so special about it. And I I just want to start there on a positive to say, wow, fours, we so appreciate when you step out of your withdrawing stance and when you step into your gifts and your callings and you're in your one and your two zone. So what do I mean by that? When they're in their healthy one and two zone, a four tends to go to one in health and two in stress, but you can flip-flop that too and use it for health. What I mean by that is they're helping others like twos. They are present and giving with their two qualities, as well as they are perfecting their gift with their one quality. And that's something my daughter loves and is very good at opening up to the challenge with because a lot of personality types, including mine sometimes, when you get to that wall, you don't have the tenacity to push through. And a four, when they're at their best, they have that one quality of, oh yes, I'm routined. I know what I need to do to get the job done and I'm going to do it. And that's why I alluded to, yes, her teachers like her dancing, but a teacher's job is to encourage, is to say, I see a gift here, but it's also to say, hey, four or whatever that student's type is, I really see your gift, your calling. Let me help you to embrace your one side. So let me help you to embrace your two sides so you can give your gifts to the world in a beautiful way that is routine. So we have our practices each day or each week. So you have your studies that you do as a four each day or each week. And it really needs to have those elements in order for your four self not to fall into the the sadness, which is part of fours being in that shame and heart triad. And also that envy because fours feeling that sense of a lack of identity sometimes really feel like the grass is greener on the other side. So all of those things can contribute to a four, not really stepping into the one and two place in health, but almost even reversing it sometimes. Or let me put it this way. Somebody said, what does a four look like when they're in health at one? It looks like what I just said. It looks like them really taking things seriously. I know I've talked about my daughter falling asleep with a list on her head when she was little, but she loves her list. They're aesthetic. They're beautiful. But the lists help her to get moving and she enjoys that there's some withdrawing time on the list, but it isn't the entire list. And that would not be good for her. And she knows that. And so I think that a self-aware four knows that they need that. Now she also needs to realize, and you do too, that you can't go so far into your one, just like I can't go so far into my five as a seven where I'm sitting in research all day. And this is just so important for you fours to know that you can't stay in that one all the time or you become the unhealthy one also like the perfectionist who's like short and tense with everybody and demanding. So you really need to watch for the one to not take that course of just, oh my gosh, I know better than you. I have to get it done. I have to stay on my routine. I can't break patterns. We can't leave room for gray. I mean, that is not a four at their best. Oh my gosh, though, in this culture right now, boy, do we need you fours at their best. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed watching fours post talk about the social movements that we're needing so much right now. Right now and even scrolling through 
stories the other night. I saw my daughter's post that said, hey, don't forget, this movement is not over for racial injustices to be rectified. We need to keep going even if the trend is over. So fours are willing to sit it out with the pain in a different way and they rally us all, especially me as a seven. I can do a lot of half feelings and okay, moving on, what's the next new thing out there? Fours really hold us in line. And because of that, sometimes we shift and we ebb and we flow. And that's why we're going to go through fours with each type and talk about that. But before we do that, I wanted to also cover the subtypes a little bit. I wanted to go over that the fours subtypes look different between the social, intimate, and self-preservation subtypes. There's a lot of differences between the fours. So first I'm going to address subtypes in general because clients always talk to me about this. They say, why are you describing subtypes so differently from the way I know about them? And why I'm doing that is because if you look a little deeper at Beatrice Chestnut or other thinkers in Enneagram work who have been studying for many years, they say, it's not just the simple subtypes that you're used to those kind of general, okay, socials love to be with people, intimates love to have the one-on-ones, and self-preservations love to have caring for themselves. It's deeper and more nuanced within each type. So I think that if you're needing something deeper and more nuanced because you're at that level of growth, go ahead and get Beatrice Chestnut's book, The Complete Enneagram, 27 Paths to Greater Self-Knowledge. But do me a favor, don't just look at the subtype section. She has a lot of deep information about each type in general. So take time with the whole chapter about you and you're not gonna be able to do it in one day. I know a lot of people are fast readers. A lot of people who have a relationship to five or three with me will say, okay, thanks for the homework. I did that work. And it's like, that's a lifelong process. So give yourself time to do the work before you say, now I need the nuanced subtype stuff. But once you get there, and I still encourage you to look at it at first, take a good hard look at it. It is a really cool thing to have the nuanced subtypes. So with four, we're going to go over those just a little bit. And we're going to start with the counter type, the self-preservation four. That four, these fours have names that I don't like to carry. I think this is part of me being a seven, but I'm like already having a hard enough time with the mental health labels. And that's why I took a break from therapy and went into coaching. And it seems to be a long break that I'll probably stay with because I love it so much, especially working with relationships. I didn't always need the label. I work with clients who do have a dual diagnosis sometimes of different things going on or comorbidity, lots of issues. I know they're important labels, but I don't always need them for the work I do. So I set them aside a little bit in the sense of, okay, let me lovingly look at you as a four and maybe you're married to an eight for a minute. Aside from me just saying, oh, you're a four, let me see what the correlating mental health diagnosis for that is and and sticking that label to you. So that's almost how I feel about some of the labels that some people have given. And here's why, because sometimes the label, like the beautiful label of this counter type four is tenacity. And that's one of the terms. But for instance, the sexual four, or shall I say intimate or one-to-one four, the label is hate by some. So I'm like, okay, you know what? We're just going to set that aside. We understand that that's their stress, but we're not going to forget that that's a part of that group, but we're also not going to just label them with that. So person first language all the way. We will look at these things with a systemic approach. We will not just label people as only one thing. Are we clear, guys? Okay, (laughs) you're hearing my eight wing come out a little bit. So first and foremost, we're talking about that self-preservation four. This one is often mistaken for a seven. And this four tends to be a little bit more socially focused, interestingly, even though they're the self-preservation four. So they are thinking about the needs 
of others in the world because they take on a more masochistic, I am not necessarily good kind of persona that they're trying to work out through almost alms of giving like, hey, I need to give compassionately in the world. I'm going to be one of the best people to give because the sadness that runs through me has convicted me that I am flawed and I'm tragically flawed and I need to connect with the world in a meaningful way and work myself out of that. Now, the good of that is that they're doing and giving in the world. The harder place of that is sometimes they will actually compromise or even sabotage their own work out there and it doesn't even go as far as it could because of their belief that they don't have much to offer. So they really do need to work on self-esteem issues and really understand that even though everyone has flaws, they also have work. worth and that they don't have to overly give. And sometimes because of that overly giving, they're like, I'm not as deeply sad as presenting as other fours because man, after all that hard work, I'm ready for some lightness. I'm ready for a break. So you do see them walk into their seven place. You do see them really caring for others. They're very happy toward others. They don't believe that they should present nasty to others. They really earn it and work hard. That's why they've given that tenacity name to themselves or others have given it to them because, right, we would love to see them give that name to themselves because we'd be like, hey, actually, that is really cool that you're starting to see that you matter and that you're doing good work out there. So if you're a self-preservation for, it might not just be that you're hoarding food or that you're somebody who doesn't like socializing. You may be very social, but in order to preserve your name or who you are on the inside, you're giving. So I hope that makes sense to you as we move on to the sexual four, more commonly known as the one-to-one four nowadays. So we are thinking about this as somebody who sometimes puts that deep shame and wonder if they're okay that the four struggles with onto other people. And sometimes it comes out as anger. Sometimes it comes out as competition and jealousy. And it's difficult. And people feel like this personality may be the angriest presenting of all the types because of the deep injustices they feel within themselves. And they still have that deep deep love and compassion. And that's why I don't love that name of hate, but I really understand that sometimes you see the hate. And so if you have that struggle, you have to actually work on that. You have to look at that square in the face and say, you know what? I struggle with this. And not only am I okay, but other people are okay. And when you start to have some self-compassion and say, even if I don't win and compete, I'm okay. And I don't have to be better than somebody in order to have worth. And I know that sounds very three. They don't all have a three wing, but it's really more about finding out as with anyone in the heart triad, do I have worth? But particularly here, it's the anger with which you're raging out of that pain and saying, hey, you know, you're not paying enough attention to me and my needs. I'm going to tell you you're a bad person. Sometimes that's how it comes out or you're telling others they don't care enough about what matters in the world and that you are more intelligent and wise and see things further than them, which I love that you fours are so great that you do see things deeper than the rest of us sometimes. But you need to understand that fours are part of the idealists. So they really do need to make sure they understand others have different gifts. And so if you're a sexual four, you need to realize that they truly do have different gifts and their gifts are just as important as yours, even though sometimes you're so frustrated because they don't have your gifts. But let's remember something that is your gift. So that's a beautiful thing. The social four is 
more shameful on the outside. They're more tragic about their own lives and telling people about their tragedies. Somebody may have, I know a four who had the nickname of Eeyore and was always lamenting in public to people about their pain and their sorrow and just trying to socially find a place to let it out. And it's so healthy to be able to have an outlet for our pain. And that is just, just sit with them, let them express it. And yet, as I was sharing in a recent episode, if we just do that for an endless amount of time, a lot of us don't think that that's going to land you in a healthy place, including Beatrice Chestnut and most Enneagram thinkers. It's not just sevens who would say that. And now I'm even saying that knowing all the different schools of therapy that we haven't even gone over on this podcast, at least not yet. Some of them would say that's what to do. Like Carl Rogers would say, unconditional positive regard will get somebody there. So there are different theories. You don't have to be an Enneagram proponent about this, but I do want you to understand what I do love about the Enneagram is it's always looking for balance. Its theories are also always looking for what's really going on. Is this constant sharing because nobody's ever heard? Maybe you've never had a Rogerian therapist, or is it because maybe you're sabotaging yourself like the four does. So you do have to look at that dynamic in order to understand and possibly seek out different assistance than a Rogerian therapist. But maybe you want to try it out for a few months. Maybe you're in a season where you think, you know what, I just need a place to vent. And I had a client start like that with me about six months ago. And what's interesting is, of course, I'm fine with that. I'm like, yes, you're coming to me as a coach. What is your goal? I'm not going to supersede that. But what I've loved seeing is that She's taken some time to do a little bit of both. She vents, but she also makes sure to do some goal setting. And that's cool because that's what she wants out of her time with her person. So be aware that as a four, if that's you, you guys struggle with being in the withdrawing stance. So it may be a good idea to say, okay, if I'm going into a session or maybe even a meeting with a friend where I'm hoping to lament or my pastor, I am going to make sure to get some tangible tips. Now, listen up close on this. Because there's the tendency to self-sabotage as fours, as we now wrap up talking about just the subtypes in all fours, make sure you're also aware that there is that tendency so that when your helper tells you what would be helpful to you or what could be, let's put it that way, because you know better than any helper what you need. But sometimes they come up with an idea that really resonates with you and you're like, yeah, that's a good one to try. So I want you to understand the four has a tendency to say that won't work. Or I'll try, but it's unlikely. Or can you give me something else? Can you give me something else? Can you give me something else? Because they're always seeking, but they're never satiated. If they're that dog going back to the vomit as a metaphor from the Bible, I mean, we can all do that at times, right? We can all be like, oh my gosh, like Taylor Swift song, we're never ever getting back together. Like keep running this into the ground until we're beating that dead horse to death, right? So I'm not just saying fours do this, but there is a sense with fours of returning to the place of sorrow again and again and again, no matter what. So paying attention to that means Like I said, the beauty of releasing it through some format, whether it be your rhetoric as a speaker, a teacher, or putting it into action, these subtype tendencies aren't all bad or convicting others and culture with a healthy amount of anger. It's, it's, and also the self-reflection of, oh gosh, you know, like I'm not perfect. What can I do to be better? These things are not bad in and of themselves. They're regulatory. They're really beautifully contemplative. So I don't want that to stop. I just want you to balance it. I really want you to be able to take goals. I want you to be able to move. I want you to not just be in the withdrawing. Somebody asked, how do fours withdraw differently from 
nines and fives, and they withdraw differently because of that sadness that they're right in that heart triad of the losses in their lives. And and yes, I think they had the gift as babies as to even looking at where did this all start? What's the etiology of it? I think that we have to understand that fours really did start out as fours, but there's also stuff, right? Like there's just stuff in the world. Like when I think on why did my daughter become a four? I think of her being an idealist already when she was born in the sense of when she was born, I bawled and I didn't know what to expect. It's my first baby, but there was just this tragic moment of beauty that entered the world. And my husband did too. And we didn't have, we had different responses with our other kids. And there is a sense of me remembering her at four months old and feeling like we were already so deeply connected. I remember heading over to my friend's house and saying, why am I heading over? I already have everything I need right here. And here's two idealists, a seven and a four hanging out together. She's four months old. Like, what are you talking about, mom? But by the time she's two or three, she was enunciating that to me. Sometimes she'd see me going into that frenetic seven mode and she'd be this reminder verbally to say, mom, you really don't want to go out. I think she was a little older than that at this point, but I remember her saying that like, I have a gift of knowing the depths of the emotions of people and that's my gift to the world and it it is what it is and I think that they also have triggers and things that have made them more for like like perhaps for me and her it was I was always so industrious as a worker as a parent so even though I was home with her part time like I am now the ideal for her would have been for me to not do anything else. And I remember that because as my firstborn, and some fours are firstborns and so are ones, they have this ideal that they would be people's central focus. And you see that with a lot of people who are parents of fours or spouses of fours, that they say, I know my four would love the ideal of being the only one in some ways. And they enjoyed that so much. They drank it in deeply. It validated their personhood. So we do what we can for our fours. Sometimes we're mesmerized by them. Sometimes we allow them to help us to shift and to see the places we need to look at a little longer like I've done. Sometimes we blame ourselves and say, am I the reason that my daughter is a four in the worst of ways? And maybe that is true and you have to really work that out a little bit, but then you have to realize there's also good reasons why she's a four. And you have to say, is my spouse a four because they know that I've never met with them in their depths of pain and they've just reacted out of that? And there are people who say, yeah, Enneagram types can change, but as much as that might be true and people might not even know their types and then they find it later, I think it's also true that people do have a sense of being born with certain gifts. So I do want you to pay attention as we think about that etiology that you can give yourself some grace, but you can also learn to grow with it. So one of the things I do now with the four in my life is I always have tried to do this because I've known she was this way, like I said, from birth, but because I have a lot of things going on in my life. When she pauses for a hug, it's the most awkward times because she'll literally pause while I'm carrying laundry down the stairs for a hug. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, okay, hugs right now. And she needs the emotional connection in the way she wants it, when she wants it. So I try to, and we giggle and we laugh. And she's the one out of all my kids who will say, I want some one-on-one time. And I really value that. I adore that. And I feel a real kindred spirit to her. So it's great when she's vocal about her needs. And I try to really lean in to my four when I can. But what we have to be careful for in our family is 
not everyone doing such idealism for her needs because we do sense that sense of our four has needs and if we don't meet them, what are the consequences? So be careful that you don't allow their unhealthy two aspect to manipulate. And my daughter in year fours would never do that intentionally. And some would say, I'm a self-preservation four because I scored that on the IEQ nine. So it's in my tri-type and I could do that to people too. So you have to be aware when you have people like that in your life that you're all working to really not take yourselves quite so seriously to look outside of that four and think of how they and you can all help the world versus just catering to. So please, watch yourself if you're doing any running around on eggshells with them. We also had somebody write in and remind me really beautifully that dialectical behavior therapy is an excellent choice for a lot of whores who have some deeper things going on. And let's face it, sometimes even if you were born a whore, you have some deeper things going on. Whatever your personality type, yes, there are correlating mental health issues with each type, but it doesn't mean you have that just because you're that type. It just means this might be your issue if you're a four. So look into that if you're struggling on such a deep level that you're thinking, okay, wow, like I can't connect with others. I'm so far into my black and white idealism and into the unhealthy aspects of one and two that I'm not making any moves in my world. Then it's time to really say what can shift and change and can I do some DBT or another type of therapy that will get me into action and doing that. A few more particulars about fours that I wanted to address that people had questions about were actually fours with their coping strategies, what would be good ones when they have their strong emotions. I want you to know the thing I continue to really talk about is the arts are so good for fours because the arts often pursue Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs in the upper levels. They're not just the basic needs of survival, but they're the heart needs. And so really saying, how can I really work on my heart looks like, okay, well, we're kind of past some of the basics if we're at the heart level, but we should at least scoop up to make sure we're getting the basics. So if you're a four, make sure you are getting body work every day. And I get asked this all the time. What do you mean? I just mean being sensitive to what your body needs, being sensitive to whether you need to get a roller for your back or a massage or ask family to scratch your back or try to dance or stretch. I know my daughter does a ton of dance, stretch yoga moves in her room every day with worship music, at least few songs. And sometimes she feels of the availability to come out and do that with others. But sometimes she told me it feels really good to put that on my list so I can have my own space and time to deal with my stuff with God and to really limit myself on social media as another coping strategy because it makes fours not have to be jealous or envious as much when they're thinking about the good things they could be doing in their communities. And when they're releasing the stress and the shame to God, they're really addressing it very vocally and upfront. And they can do that with their spouses too. They can say to their spouse, you know, I'm really trying to do my body work and be as balanced as I can with the basic survival needs and pay attention to that. But now I'm on heart work and here's what some of my pains are. See, here's what some of my pieces of shame are and I've given them to God. But as my human best friend here, I want to make sure we get to connect on as deep of a level as possible. And fours, it would be really good for you guys to understand in that time, not everybody relates on such a deep emotional level. So give yourself and say to your spouse, let's take a certain time frame for doing that. And sometimes it's going to be a half hour, but sometimes it's frankly not going to be able to be. It might be a quick hug in the hallway, like I said, or it might be you saying, can we do this later this week when we have a day as a couple? Because even though fours are all idealists, even if they're married to another four or one, one or somebody who's also an idealist, this is true that not everyone's ideal is about the same time or same thing. Whereas one spouse may say, 
yes, I'm an idealist. We need, we're both idealists. You should do what I say about I'm having an emotion. We need to process it right now. But the other spouse may say, well, in an ideal world, you'd be patient and you'd wait. And so you see how already even idealists don't always get along. So you have to understand that everyone is an idealist. That's how I deal with that. I'm like, people are all different. So I want to be also mindful of the question about what if we don't even realize the shame is there as fours and we have to learn to trust. And that question can be dealt with by saying, let me look a little harder at what I'm analyzing here. And I had this yesterday with somebody with some four traits and they were analyzing a relationship to somebody else that was hurting them and wounding them in very small ways, but significant ways because they felt it as a four and they knew that this person intended to hurt them. But this person did have a lot of other things going on too and kept saying, I'm not trying to hurt you. And so that's the point, I think, when you don't get any feedback from the person you're with and you've kind of gone and done and beat that dead horse, what I want you to do is go back to your journal and say, what of this could be my envy creeping in? What of this could be my shame What of this could be me really not feeling like I'm okay on my own and really connecting with God again about that and saying, God, thank you for making me well. Thank you for reminding me that I'm made well and I'm good just the way I am. You love me right where I am and no, I'm not perfect and I'm so grateful for your grace, but I'm loved right now and here and I don't need anything else. I'm okay. I have my basic needs met and I'm okay and then going from that angst to gratitude and then to planning is what I tell all my clients, but it's, you can see it's especially relevant to fours because that cycle of owning the tragedy or the angst and then being able to be grateful and then being able to plan is a very healthy strategy. So that applies to the question also about how to get through stress long-term like grad school and applying for tenure and health issues. It's important that you recognize that you have to take care of yourself with self-care, even if you don't always feel like doing it. And that is so key for fours because they sit in their feelings. So even if you don't feel like you even are worth it that day, sometimes we go on fact over faith and we say, I don't have much faith in myself right now, but I know what's true. What's true is that I'm a productive member of the classroom and I contribute research or I make it better for children or whatever you're doing because I know as a four you do contribute. You've got to really give your one side a break and say, even if I don't do it perfectly, I do it and I help and that's a beautiful thing. But remember how Jesus was loved even before his ministry began. So you need to remember too that even if you're in a sabbatical intentionally that you are still worth something or even if you're in that withdrawing space and you're having a hard time pulling yourself out of it, you still have worth. And I do want you to then still do gratitude and planning after you do that angst. So I also wanted to answer the question about whether it's okay for force to sit things out and have quiet time. And I hope you've heard me say yes, absolutely. And I do honor the fours in my life. Even when my nieces and nephews in their 20s don't write me back, sometimes I have that seven desire to fix it and to go, oh my gosh, like what can I do to make sure that they're happy? And I realize that's not who they are. So yes, even if your people don't get you, I've had to learn, let myself sit with that. And then when I'm with my four nephew, he's like, you're practically like, you know, a second mom to me. Like he and his girlfriend, who's a two are like, you guys are so fun to visit and we'll choose to spend our annual vacation with you sometimes. So 
It isn't that I even, as a seven, will not respect that. It's that it's not the way I usually move through the world. So be patient with your people who don't get that. You may really love them, but need some space from them. And then once they get that, like once I learn that, right, that fours sometimes might do this, when they're feeling their ideals and longings and like, I don't want to talk to you. Maybe I am hurt by you right now. And maybe that's their way of saying, I am coping the best I know how. And that might be time for an insightful word. Sometimes my four nephew, I'll think, oh, he might be mad at me. And you know, you project, but then my husband will be like, guess what? I talked to Camden today and he was showing me how he's working out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like he loves us so much. And I really I think that's what I was telling you earlier. Like you fours don't realize that when you're in a good place and you give us your time, we're like, ah, like I'm so excited. And you might think as a seven, I'm like that about everybody, but I spend so much time in five. I'm barely like that. So I think I'm like really excited because I really trust fours, fives, and nines in that way. Unless they're operating out of anger, I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are so safe. So please understand most of us who are working on our own maturity levels, we do get it even if we're a little shocked at first. Like, oh, this isn't what I'm used to. Um, I also wanted to just address, of course, fours are not the hardest to raise. Somebody asked that and I know they were totally kidding, but it's really every personality type has their great parts and their hard parts. So you know that too. Um, But yeah, I do think that it's really important for the last question to be asked because it's such a good one. It's really important. And that one's about how not to live in the mind and take action in life. And I I think we really are almost beating a dead horse with this one, but it's just the epitome of make sure that you are giving yourself balance. Make sure you are actually saying, okay, did I balance out my time today in grief or in this conversation with grief and then with fun and planning and then with action. And if you didn't, then it's really important that you try for that. And sometimes that might require you to have a bridge for a while in your life. That's what my husband calls it when people come in for medication from him that they need temporarily because they're going through a difficult season. And sometimes they stay on it and they need it forever. So don't feel bad if that's the season you're in where you're like, oh my gosh, I could really use that. That'd be so helpful. I keep wallowing and I know that it's you know, I've had my Rogerian therapist for six months and it's not going anywhere. It's like, I get it. And, you know, Freud could say, lay on the bed for four more years. And maybe you have that ability to do that in your life. But meanwhile, life is happening all around you and we want you in it too. So maybe you do have that appointment where that is going to be kept and that's going to be your sacred space to just lament for years. But let's put it this way. That's your hour or two to do that in your week. And then you move forward. And it doesn't mean that that doesn't touch you. And there may not even be a sense of melancholy about you or that you lose your gifting of being able to sit with people in their pain and your pain. But it's really important that you don't just do that because of the fact that if you want to be able to, let's do the basic self-care here points. Like if you want to have teeth in your head because you know how to brush them and take care of them, if you want to not be taking 25 medications when you're an older person because you never cared about yourself, you know, I can tell you all day long, lay on the bed all day. But I think you want those things. I think you want to be in action. So I need to ask you to take that time for not just lamentations, but to say, even if my feelings don't choose to lead, I am an adult who is in charge and I do control my thought life. And 
those scriptures have been around forever from the Bible, even way before cognitive behavioral therapy ever did contribute. And I'm not at all denying that we have had some beautiful contributions. Not everyone's a Christian. Not everyone has access to the Bible. But, you know, thinking on things that are good and pure and lovely in Philippians 4, 8 are some of my favorite reminders so that I can truly really seek out what is best for me each day. And it's part of my morning. Every single day I do a morning transformation prayer after I pray the Lord's Prayer. And it's something that I've written up and really allowed myself to have daily transformations with. Like, I'm not going to sit in my own four space. Like I said, I have a relationship to four. So I'm not always a bouncing, happy puppy seven. And I need to do that work too. And if you're in a season like that, especially as a woman, man, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would score seven on the Enneagram test at the beginning. And then only during seasons of that one week of the month, I would score four. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such a funny pattern. So I think we all as women have a relationship to four personally. This is one of my crazy theories, but that's kind of like my two being the quintessential Eve theory. Take it for what it is. It's just my own little personal adage, but I do want you to understand fours that we are with you and we get it. And sometimes when we don't get you, we want to get you. So tell us, give us some time to process what you're saying. If you happen to be that more blatantly aggressive for that is really looking for needs to be met through others, understand that there are consequences to lashing out. So you're going to have to give people even more time. So how do four spouses want to be loved in marriage? Well, it's going to differ a little bit because of age and demographics and subtypes as well as their wings. But I think we can make some beautiful and healthy deductions about how fours want to be loved. And I've also asked a lot of you guys over time on Instagram, how do you want to be loved as fours? So I've heard from a lot of you and what I hear you guys saying so everybody can hear together. Remember this about your four. They truly want to care about your heart and they really do care about your heart. So if you'll reveal it to them, and I know that's vulnerable for a lot of you, especially eights, and you may need that time contingency like we've talked about where it's just hey, let's talk for five or 10 minutes and let's plan out when we talk, even if you're a planner like a five or an eight or somebody who just needs time. I want you to understand your four does care for your heart and that's part of what they need in their relationship with you is mutual heart caring and portrayal. So sometimes they are gonna push if they don't feel like you're showing your heart, but please show them that heart force. Please do your work. We talked to you a lot today too about not just sitting in that past struggle and replaying the dramas again and again, but really moving forward in action and with routines. Please make sure you love your people and go out on dates with them. Get out of your body and head and get into your action plans. And when I say get out of your body, sometimes the four does great body work, but sometimes they're loathing. Sometimes they don't do healthy body work. So get out of the negative body stuff, get out of the negative headspace and get into action, into motion and allow your spouse to give you energy that you don't bring to the relationship. Let's be humble, but not crazy humble. Let's be humble to say we only bring some gifts to the table. Let's let our spouses bring some to us too. So thanks fours, but I love you guys. And now we're going to go through what you've been waiting for as far as fours in marriage. So this is exciting because every single type has a different experience with each other. And we've already gotten a chance to talk a little bit about the subtypes of fours and four in stress and health. And before we hit the exact rhythm of just every single 
single type, I'll tell you it looks a little different for fours with a three wing to the five wing. So you need to remember that as well. And you guys have already had your three episode, so you know what threes are like, but four wing threes like my daughter are more ready for those lists. They're more ambitious. They want a daily routine. They struggle a little bit with that jealousy of, okay, I am looking to see what's going on in the world because I want to fix myself and I want to be as good as I can. And that's great, but they have to be careful that they don't lose people because of their competitive nature. So make sure that's you. I know if you're a four wing three, you have a beautiful balance going, but I also want you to make sure because you're so in the heart that you really address your envy issues. If you're a four with a five wing, I want you to understand that the movement aspect is a little more important through all these different things we're going to talk about with your spouse because you have a tendency to not only withdraw and be comfortably withdrawn, but also to can you know withdrawal into interesting research and into your own mind and, and you know yes it's great that you balance your mind you're in that thinking triad as well but you can kind of get lost in your research and not really fix and heal your emotional stuff so be careful that you do your emotional work too and do your healing work don't just say i don't have a spiritual part of me as much because you're missing out if you don't do any of your own personal consciousness work and you're just doing reading and researching about what to do it's so like i said just take ownership of the work aspect being sometimes slower and more painful than you'd like. And also take ownership of the fact that it's not all just research-based. It's not all just looking into the lamentable stories of the past. It's yes, that it's looking into your own lamenting your spouse, but it's, it's also saying, you know what? I need to balance that three wing out because I'm not doing as much with my spouse around our healing as I wish I was. So don't let it fool you if you're like, oh, but I I research for my job and I'm an artist. My spouse should come along. It's like, no, when you add marriage into the equation, even more, you need to balance out your subtypes and your wings so that you can give your very best to each other. Fours with ones do very well with their ideals most of the time, because most of the time, by the time you've gotten together with each other, you've decided that you have a lot of those ideals in common for So you're like, we actually both really believe that we are truly made for each other and we get each other and we often both have a neatness about us and an order that we like and we are also not too needy of each other most of the time. We may be passionate, we may connect on our anger together in our one space, but we also usually both have access to a two, a four, and a one. So there's a lot of beautiful connection there, and there's not as many lines that don't meet. And I've talked to you guys about it in both ways. Don't take it bad if you don't have lines that don't meet. Why I say that is because wow, you guys are going to end up with even more balance potentially. So there's always something good you can find. And as a four and a one, I love that you can connect over your art and your beauty and the one can get the four moving and the four can help the one to be still and to appreciate that side of themselves and to allow those depths in that a one doesn't often give themselves permission to, to, to lament, for instance, and to really feel. So it's beautiful that you guys are such a balanced pair And I love that fours and ones both have access to heart and to body as well as to their thinking. So that's what they bring together. So make sure you're thankful because your one goes to seven for you for even when you're kind of like, okay, I can do the instinct and I can do the feeling. That's a beautiful thing that you guys have together. Okay. So going on to fours and twos, this is a beautiful pairing as well. This pairing can be really romantic. It's one of the most romantic 
pairings because they're both such givers and lovers and seen as the biggest lovers on the Enneagram. So it's super cute to see them together and they really love each other and they really heal quickly from their pings when they're healthy and they can make beautiful romantic gestures to one another and just have such a heart identity together. So I love to see it. And I also love to see them grow healthy together because if they're too codependent on each other, as you guys can imagine, both in the heart triad, they can actually really hurt each other and really grieve each other deeply with words and with bodily postures and two can go to eight and get physical and the four can do the same, but they're less likely to do that, but they can too because they go to two in unhealth. So their way of actually hurting their spouse may not be quite as physical in that way, but it can be you know, related to the way they treat themselves and their body and not taking good care of themselves, just not feeling that they have much worth and just withdrawing. So you've got to really pay attention to this pairing and making sure that they're healthy mentally. That's a really important thing because sometimes neither of them is really thinking clearly. They're feeling very clearly, but not always thinking very clearly. So you have to really watch for that with yourselves and try to do your daily balance on all of your Enneagram work and you will be just fine. And like I said, if you're already doing that and you're already healthy, you guys are making strides in the world to help people all over the place. And you guys are addressing your personal stuff and not being codependent on each other, but also feeling that secret happiness of like, we're two feelers and we really get it and we can feel each other's stuff and address it and know it and feel safe there together. So I love that for you guys. It's such a bonding pair and sometimes they don't need any coaching work because they're doing their good work together and with God and before God. So the three and the four pairing is really nicely balanced because of the three having the ability to get the four moving and the four having the ability to help the three to be okay with the times of withdrawal, but caring still and taking time to feel because the three doesn't always feel the safety to feel with their people. They're even sometimes reticent to really be vulnerable. They may love their people really hard and I've called them the secret romantics, but as far as them sharing their hearts, that's hard for a three. So you've got to really appreciate the fact that they can do that more safely, perhaps with four than with any type. So I love hearing that they are together and thriving. It's such a beautiful job that they do together to balance one another out. And when they're in their stress modes, I always want to encourage threes to be careful about their words since they get harsh and four is so sensitive and may really take it on. So make sure you come back and repair. I often have to tell that to threes in general anyway, like you guys get harsh quick. A lot of your work is done in the afterworld. <laughs> the afterworld, that sounds so dark. The, the after effect the aftermath so they can come back around and comfort therefore and often fours are very comforted and forgiving i don't want you to be accepting of any kind of from any single one of these types we're talking about today verbal abuse you need to make sure that you stand up for yourself and your boundaries because that's one of the biggest worries i have for fours is that they wouldn't do that and i really love you guys and we all do so please stand up for your boundaries when you need to set them you are worth it and we're going to go to four fours now fours and fours together. How cute. You guys are such beautiful pairings and we know you each have your wing leaning. Sometimes I hear from, you know, we already talked about that. So I'm not going to, you know, overdo on the wings, but I do want to help you to understand that two fours together have similar things going on to the four and the two that they both have access to two points 
four points. There's an access to the one point. So they're going to need all of these, not just their feelings. They're going to need to really say, we don't even naturally really go into our thinking. So just like a two, we might have to ask a four to spend more time in actual thought and journaling and getting things out when they're meeting with their spouse and say, let me do some journaling before I'm going to give you three bullet points. If we could talk through those versus just let's stay in our feelings together all day in our pajamas and lament that we aren't the right fit. You can do your work and make sure that you guys are a healthy fit. Every single type can be a healthy fit together, but it does require stepping out of your comfort zone, access points, and stepping into wings. And both of you saying, we have access to a five wing. We can do our thought work. We can do any research we need, but we're not going to do that forever because we know we do not always go into action. So we're going to access our three wing. And yes, I did go back into the wings conversation, but I'm just trying to give you guys some access points for feelings and to remind you that you're going to need to access thoughts and not just your worries about whether each other loves you well and not just the envy points. You're going to need to really do some thinking and you're going to need to go back to that lamenting, then being grateful for what each other brings and then planning what you guys can do and getting things on your calendars will be very important. Four with a five, we're coming back into a state of balance where we have one who has access points to seven and one who has access points to eight and the other with two and one. And so you see not as many connections, except of course the obvious one, neighbors right next to each other. But you really do want to just be happy that this relationship exists out there because I see a lot of these writing into me, I'm a four with a five wing and mine's a five with a four wing. And they generally do very well together because they have a variety of places that they can move together and grow and learn from each other. And there's a lot of curiosity and a mutual respect for the withdrawing. So there's also movement within this pairing. So they do quite well together and they have to be intentional also about their marriage so that they don't just do their own things where the four is so deep into their arts or passions or rhetoric and the five is so deep into their research that they're not really enjoying the things that brought them together, which was their arts and their passions and their places of thinking awesome poetic thoughts together. So I mean, you guys need to enjoy your lifestyle fun together and do some interior design together, do some viewing of the stars together and wondering together. It's it's so beautiful. I'm excited for that pairing when I think about it. Fours with sixes, I had the question come in, how do these two deal with each other? Sometimes the four with the six has a beautiful bond, but sometimes they really, really don't feel like they're understood by each other because sometimes the four is looking a little bit with envy at the six and saying, you bond so well with your people. You're so good at group identification and I'm over here alone. So the six needs to make sure that they really include the four and are thoughtful about that. And it's not an obvious one because the four is busy too. And they're, you know, doing their one stuff and they look to be very successful, but sometimes because that's the ongoing mantra of a four, the six needs to really be mindful and say, wait a minute, maybe they're really grumpy or they're really seeming upset with me and I don't know what it is. It's probably because you seem so good at being with your people and being safe and happy there. So make sure you share your heart with them six. I know that six can be right in the middle of the thinking triad and not always do that. So make sure you share your heart and your laments and that you guys do that together regularly and make your 
planning time together and your gratitude time together and fun together and get in your bodies because we don't want either of you just stuck in unhealth where you're not doing the body work. Body work is so important for this pairing. So make sure that you don't just comply with them six at the same time and let them lead you as a tyrant and even out of their unhealthy space. Sixes do have a hard time setting boundaries because they want their people. So I want you to really challenge your four to after you've identified with them and can understand them and sit with them in their pain to not wallow with them in it and to be loyal, but not to the point of let's just both self-sabotage together and self-destruct together in our solidarity. So make sure you're mindful of that. So, so good. I also want to tell you that fours and sevens, we've talked so much about them. So I don't want to belabor it, but we do well together in the sense as personality types that we are both in the idealist partnerships. So we really have ideals for relationships, but when a seven and a four grieve together, sometimes the seven can recover seemingly very quickly because they've moved away from what's important and they're back into action. And the four can help that spouse remember, you know what, like you grieved this and I'm glad you're moving on that you know how to like lament and then have the gratitude and have the action plan. But Let me challenge you. Did you sit long enough with it? Let me ask you, did you really give it time to really feel it in the fullness of your feelings? If you can do that with your seven, that's a huge gift to them. And it will help you as a four when your seven says, we have sat with it for a while and it's time to get up and move forward. That's such a nice pairing because you guys really can have a lot of fun together. And like I said, Maybe why me and the fours in my life have seemed to find this connection together is because we have so much in common with our idealism and sometimes we can mistype for one another. And I think that we really nicely compliment one another by saying, I have joy to bring you and I have depths to bring you. And trust me when I say this, you cannot just meme somebody. You cannot just sit them in a box and say you never have anything like you're not reflective, you're a seven, or you're not joyful, you're a four, because sometimes my daughter's the one, frankly, to be the one to say, oh my gosh, mom, we need to be more positive about this. So please understand your fours have access to joy. That might not be on their Enneagram natural line, but within the Enneagram world, there are so many unique relationships each type has with each other that these basics aren't even covering it all. Plus, there is life outside of Enneagram. So remember that fours don't always look just like classic four memes. Okay. Fours and eights, we also had a question about them. Fours and eights do really well together, as you can imagine, with the eight being able to pull them forward, just like a seven would, and also really appreciating the finer things a lot of the time, and even trying to access those finer things. And fours really do have a superiority in picking out items and leading the way through fashion and things like that. So, and of course, that's such a cool part of fours, but it's something that eights can say, let's make that dream come true. You've got the dream. I've got the ability and the energy to do that. And I just love that. That's really, really a cool pairing. But the question that came in from that pairing is when the four wants to have the deep conversations and get into the deep emotions that are vulnerable and raw. And that's really important that the eight look at that and say, okay, honestly, let's make sure that I am not just stomping over your emotions because I know you're generally a safe place, but I do want you to know for with your abilities to go to unhealthy too, your eight is probably afraid of you manipulating so that they really even less likely want to be vulnerable with you. So be careful of any manipulating qualities you might bring and be honest about it and say to them, 
you know what? Like we need to talk about this and be bold. Eights want you to be bold, but say, I totally get it that I may have partly sabotaged that because I had been not as careful, but I have learned I am growing and you can trust me and I'm not going to do that to you, but I really do want to talk about these tangible things. I'm feeling this way, but then be willing to do that cycle with me that you are going to find the gratitudes and the good things about your eight and you are going to get into action like your eight wants while they're pairing with you to sit there in that pain. So let them know this is not going to last forever, that I'm not going to keep you here and lock you up forever, especially your sevens too, but make sure that they get it, you know, that you are loving them and that you'll do better together if you face the deeper things together. Fours and nines, I really want you to be encouraged. I've heard it said that some don't love this pairing together. Oh my gosh, though, I have seen this beautifully work out. And you know what? I think that's also Ian Cron's famous pairing with his wife. And it's my daughter's pairing together and they're best friends. And something that works out so well with these two types is that they withdraw beautifully together. So they can actually really, even when they're annoyed, say, okay, good night, love you. Like there's not even a thought that they wouldn't really deeply love each other if they're both healthy. Now, if they're not, of course, there's going to be resentments building up in the nine. Like, okay, I'm not being seen and heard. This four is plowing over me with their emotional needs, not getting enough space. And the four is going to say, they don't give me enough time to process. And I end up going into one and they're not in action and I have to do everything. So I'm not denying the little things that these two can have with each other and that there's even more nuances than we have time for. But I do want you to understand that at the end of the day, they're both able to healthily self-regulate and be the best of friends because the four can bring the nine into feelings and they can joke and laugh and talk about that with the nine's witticisms and that can bring the four back to reality and fun. And that's just a cool pairing that they can do that for each other. The nine can uniquely sit with the four without getting totally wrapped in the story. Whereas I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go into one and stress and try to fix everything. And my nine can listen to her sister while just being like, okay, whatever. You like, just give the narrative of you are so drama. And, and yet my four goes into her bed almost every night as their teen teenagers and just they talk and they love it and and sometimes my nine will say I need my own time in my own space tonight and she sleeps with the cutest sleep mask over her face and always her cozy pajamas but my four respects that and she's like you know what like I get it that that is something that I have to be mature about and I hope that you and your marriage can do that if teenagers can do that work you can do that work And I know you may say, I have more trauma than your teenagers, but it's like, hey, don't deny the trauma I've put in my kids. I'm just joking. But like, you know, like we've had our stuff. We've had our huge stuff. So don't think just because I'm on a podcast or you see our highlight moments that you see it all. And so understand that you have every bit rights to and access to healing just the way we do. And I want you to have that power so you know you can do this for us. You guys really can. You're such a beautiful part of our world. We're so thankful for you. We love you so much. I hope this episode's been so honoring to you and your many, many, many gifts. We just want you to be open to even more access points. So I love it. And I hope you'll go to my website if you want more information about what I'm doing out there. And and I will continue to be reaching out on the Enneagram community at Instagram, Enneagram and Marriage, so I can learn about you guys and what your needs are. Have an amazing week, you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.